is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Chris Wilterdink. How is everything in the wide world that you're a part of out in California? It's perfect, of course. Of course. How could it be anything else? Yes, there's never anything strange that happens in the world or the United Methodist Church or anything like that. So it's great. It's great. It's all good. Um, If you are United Methodist and you are uh, watching us live, we're recording this March 10th, uh, 2023. And we did just find out that General Conference is now delayed until 2024. For those of you that don't know, that is the only body that gets to kind of officially say anything on behalf of the United Methodist Church. Uh, It's also like a really important meeting that has now um, been delayed for a long time. It was supposed to happen Mm -hmm. in 2020. So uh, prayers for everybody involved in those decisions and um, all of the things that will happen in between now and when that meeting actually gets to take place. But fortunately, uh, Jeremy, you and I are not talking about that all that much this morning. Uh, We're going to do something much more fun where we're going to dive back into the crash courses, and we're specifically pulling out um, a really important section that is in speaking adolescent. Yeah. And um, like we said before, that does not mean, you know, trying to equip youth workers to figure out all the latest slang so that you can try to sound cool and amazing. Um, instead, it, it has to do with brain science and it has to do with your ability as a youth leader to um, help teachers and help volunteers learn how to effectively communicate with teens. And, and I would lump parents into that category as well. So um, what we're talking about today is just how difficult teens uh, find metaphor. Right. Yeah. And, and this is a huge piece because the, the chemicals that are released in the brain during adolescence are doing wonderful things, including the ability to, uh, to understand metaphor. So it's interesting that the easiest way I think to, to see the differences, uh, when you talk to a child, like a, a child who's not close to adolescence and you tell them that the sun is is cotton candy today right yeah like a like a beautiful sunset like a sunset yeah yeah the sunset is like cotton candy today they will laugh at you because of course it's not cotton candy right right you say that to a group of college students and they're like oh yeah it looks exactly like the colors of cotton candy and so you've got but so prior to adolescence, uh, they are in something called concrete operational thought where um, they can get <clears throat> they uh, children are able to understand metaphor as additional static definitions. Right. So if you say something that's metaphorical, they'll be like, hmm. And you'll be like, oh, this means this. And they're like, OK, great. I've got another definition for that term or phrase or whatever. Yeah. Adolescence comes in and they're able, they're beginning to be able to, um, to understand metaphor on their own, but at the beginning of adolescence, they still are not right. It's, it's a new ability that is unlocked in the brain. And, uh, and because it's a new ability, the earlier they are in adolescence, the less good they are at understanding metaphor on their, on their own. Um, we we had not talked about this in our preparation, so this is a bit of a curveball. However, um, there there's a uh, uh, 
cartoon series called the Powerpuff Girls, which is um, <laughs> several years old by now. Um, okay. But there's a villain in there. His name is Mojo Jojo, right? And and he's this like monkey character that has this giant brain. Um, and okay. in a weird way, like his pattern of speech was to introduce an idea and then he would repeat that idea three or four different times using different words. Uh-huh. Um, and to an adult, it came across as really funny because yeah. it was something like, dear Powerpuff Girls, my plan is to kidnap um, so-and-so and bring them to this location. They will be under my control. They will be in a place that they do not want to be because I have brought them there. Ah, ha, 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 ha. I have kidnapped <laughs> them. Um, right. And younger kids or those in early adolescence wouldn't necessarily see that as funny uh-huh. because they don't understand that link between the metaphor or the action or the image that's being painted and then the need for like multiple definitions for it. Yeah. Um, right. But teens that are getting into adolescence need reinforcement, right? Like the, right. the thing with the brain science pieces is those new connections that are getting made, um, they need to be exercised. They need practice. And so they need people who are willing to kind of guide them through and give them additional layers of meaning to the metaphors that you drop out there. And uh, for, for teachers now and, and for youth leaders and for parent volunteers, um, it can be kind of tough because sometimes we're not that great with metaphor either. Um, and actually, our language is still sort of full of um, sayings that don't make a lot of sense anymore, uh, even mm-hmm. though they're metaphors. So something like, um, if a kid is repeating themselves a lot and you say that they sound like a broken record, um, <laughs> you are talking to somebody that unless they are like an audiophile and um, have kind of busted into that hipster style, you know, I'm going to get a turntable <laughs> and actually put a record on. Yeah, it, it's, they it's got a no idea what a record that, is. It, it, it might be coming back. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it may. Yeah. If you're cool enough, like if you're hip enough, it might come back. But like if you tell a kid they sound like a broken record, I don't even know if, you know, like you sound like a corrupted MP3 file would make as much sense or not either. But um, there are sayings that we use that that have meaning if we come from a certain context um, and they lose meaning if we're trying to communicate it to people that are outside that context. Like a, another example we thought of was um, if somebody ever says, hold your horses. Um right. That was when horses were pulling wagons. And if you needed somebody to slow down so that they weren't doing something very dangerous or reckless, they'd have to pull the reins back. There's another metaphor and hold the horses mm-hmm. up. Um, maybe right. so like the modern it. version of that is pump the brakes, right? Pump the brakes, uh, which would make sense for your teens uh, if they've learned how to drive. Right. Or if they're mm-hmm. in the licensing process. Um, if they have a self-driving car, I don't even know if that one will make sense after a while. <laughs> um, so the, the idea that metaphor is out there all the time, I think, is a really important one for youth workers. Um, uh-huh. And honestly, there is a significant portion of scripture that uses simile and metaphor. Um, you know, there's there so many yeah. different passages that God is like blank or God is blank. Jesus is blank. Um, right. And the, really, even at the core of religion itself is this idea of uh, talking about things that are beyond the sort of dimension of human experience, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about the divine, talking about God who we can't see, we can't touch, those kind of things. And and so just the premise of religion itself is abstract. And, and so I, I think it's important for us to kind of pull back and say, we use metaphor uh, a lot in the book and um, and in this conversation really to mean abstract thought. Yeah. Right. Metaphor is the the easiest 
way for us to like pin it to something concrete, but, um, but it's, it's abstract thought. And so like when you were talking about a God who they can't see, that is abstract. And, uh, and you've, you've got to um, be able to uh, put some handles on that. Right. Yeah. And if you're looking for like a visual example of it again, um, inside out, which is a Disney Pixar film that came out several years ago, there's that shortcut that, joy and sadness are trying to take through um, Riley's brain. If you've seen that movie and there's a process, right? Where they end up being stuck in abstract thought um, and they are reduced to just like the shape and the color of their character. Um, (laughs) And it's up to you to make sense of what you're seeing. Right. Uh Um, One of the examples when we're talking about abstract thought that we get into um, in the crash course specifically comes from uh, the book of Psalms. Um, specifically, um, we're, we're going to be in Psalm 119, uh, where there is language about salt and light. And when we talk salt and light, um, I think specifically this would be um, Psalm 119, 105. I think if, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm looking at my things right. Well, there, uh, 105 is the, uh, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Um, but then we are called to be the salt and light of the world. Yeah. And if you're sitting there with youth and trying to de- like talk with them and say, okay, what does that mean that mm-hmm. we're supposed to be the salt and the light? How yeah. would you start that conversation for brains that are having trouble or, or just starting to do this abstract thought thing? Yeah. And there's a couple of places that you find the metaphor in scripture. So the Psalm 119 is your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So that is... abstract, right? 100% metaphorical. Like what word, (laughs) Uh, what path, Mm -hmm. what light? So I think, you know, if we're talking about that scripture, you're going to need to start with understanding what it's talking about. And so um, word, a lot of people will want to use the, the Bible as that. Um, and that's an okay piece. Um, it's not necessarily in, in Psalm 119 talking about the Bible, um, but it, it, it could, that's an, that's an okay w- place to go with it. Um, and if, uh, so, so you might start with that and say, this is kind of like the Bible or when God speaks to us, right? Uh, if you're talking about God speaking to you, you're going to need to talk about what that means, right? Because mm. God doesn't have vocal cords and, uh, and we don't hear God's voice like we hear other people's voices, right? So th- this is a really tricky one. Then the light to my path, right? We're going to have to say the easiest piece for me when, you're, when you've got a visual metaphor is to ask them to sort of imagine themselves on a path at night and say, why do you need a light? Right. And then, you know, to find where I'm going to see where the path is, that kind of stuff. And then I say, so in life, we are on a journey, right? We are, we are, we are growing through different parts. And so people will often describe that as the path of our life, the path our life takes. So you might have been in elementary school and now you're in middle school. 
Um, and so you've walked, you know, metaphorically walked the path from elementary school to middle school. And the idea here is that God's um, light, um, or, or, you know, actually, I would probably stop there and ask another question mm -hmm. yeah. to try to, because our goal is not to just tell them what it is, but to help guide them along the metaphorical, the abstract thought path, because the pay, there's a mental payoff for them. This is a developmental task mm -hmm. to get to the end themselves and not just hear it told to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So to ask them, okay, so if our life is like a path, right. What would God, what would this be saying? What is the light? How does that fit it? Right. And so we've talked about what a light is on a path in the real world. We've talked about what the path is for our life. So now we can sort of take the words that we said about the, the light in on the path in the real world and sort of apply those. Oh, again, help us find direction, help us know where to go, what to do, those kind of things. And, um, but you've got to hold their hand. The, the mistake that a lot of adults make is assuming that their brain, the kid's brain works as an adult brain. And so if you're using the one with Jesus, the way that Jesus says that you're, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Matthew uh, five. I've, yep, I, I got I've heard so many people say to youth, you've got to be salt. You've got to be. <laughs> I heard. Uh, I heard a youth worker say one time, you've got to be salty, which Ooh, that yeah. actually is a slang. I can right? be salty. Yeah, I can be salty, but I that's not what salty. the Bible thing meant, right? <laughs> you've got to be salt and you've got to be light. And you, you might say that and just know that you're being really profound and nobody is getting it. Right. <laughs> and, and actually like the, those two scriptures that, that we look at in the crash course, looking at that idea of thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Fast forwarding then to the new Testament where you're in Matthew five, and this is 13 through right. 16, but uh, verse 14, Jesus says, okay, you are the light of the world. Right. And so Jesus is saying that to people that are familiar with the old Testament Psalm Mm -hmm. And saying, oh my gosh, okay, so now maybe I'm supposed to be a guide on that mm -hmm. path, or I'm supposed to take you know, some ownership of things. Um, and so there's some really beautiful linkages that you can make while you do that hand-holding and metaphor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, salt and light are a couple of them that, that pop up all the time because they make such easy acronyms as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Please. Like, no, I'm Can we not do the acronym? No, anymore? we have to. Servant and leadership team. Salt. It writes itself. This shirt is already pre-made. It's super duper easy. Uh, um, let's Chris. talk some more abstract stuff. So, okay. okay. So John, Gospel of John, fourth book of the New Testament, um, is very metaphorical at its core, right? Oh, man. It starts off impossible <laughs> for many adults to understand in the beginning was the word mm -hmm. and the word was God. And then okay. the word was with God. That's that means crazy. there was two words. There was, how do you, how is one thing with itself? You're like, Oh God, this is not how wordle, this is not how wordle is supposed to work. It's like, like 
Pass. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really do feel like most of the people that I've talked to about that, they're like, yeah, I started that. And I was like, let's see what chapter two's like. <laughs> Why can't you be like Luke and start with a nice birth story? Right. Really? Um, <laughs> later on in the Gospel of John, um, if we're in chapter six, uh-huh. um, there, I, and I will paraphrase because I don't have it right in front of me, but um, Jesus ends up saying something like, I am the bread of life, eat of me and you will never die or never go hungry again or those kinds of things. And if you don't hold the hand of young people that don't understand metaphor, Mm -hmm. you're going to get those jokey comments about cannibalism, right? Right. And let's just be clear, like Jesus, there's a similar passage in, I believe it's Luke, where Jesus said, if you don't, eat my flesh and drink my blood. You can't be part of the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And the disciples are like, Jesus, but I mean, you're not talking about cannibalism, right? You're not talking about actually eating your, and Jesus gives them nothing. Right. No leeway. He says, no, right. drink my flesh. I drink my blood, <laughs> eat my flesh. And they're like, mm. <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll wait on that until later. But I mean, so even the disciples, right? In yeah. the Bible are confused by a lot of this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And um, and in John chapter seven, there's even more, right? Where Jesus oh, yeah. kind of gets into um, John is full of them living water. So so I'm going to read you uh, this one just because I love it. And even the people that were writing it, like knew it was a metaphor that was hard to understand. So this is John seven yep. thirty seven through thirty nine. Uh, Last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stands up and shouts, all who are thirsty should come to me. All who believe in me should drink. As the scripture said concerning me, rivers of living water will flow out from within him. And then depending on your translation, verse 39 is a parenthesis um, that explains or tries to explain what Jesus meant there in verse 38. <laughs> right. Um, it's great. It's like, this is, he meant the spirit. Yeah. Guys, cause, cause, you know. Right. So 39, Jesus said this concerning the spirit. Those who believed in him would soon receive the spirit, but they hadn't experienced the spirit yet since Jesus hadn't yet been glorified. I, like, <laughs> like the person writing it now is like, I, this is what he, I remember him saying this, but this is, but this is no probably sense. what I think it means, even though like it was out of there. So <laughs> there's richness that is in metaphor. There is richness that is an abstract thought. And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that we think is really important for you all as youth leaders and as youth workers um, is to do some of that handholding and do some of that question asking um, mm-hmm. because the kingdom of God is rich and scripture is rich. And it asks us to wrestle with it, right? It, it asks us to wrestle with the metaphor, um, yeah. to wrestle with the abstract, because God is abstract, right? Like yeah. God, is, God is not a person. God is, is bigger than people. Um, part of the mystery of Jesus is that Jesus is fully human and fully divine at the same time. And yeah. we get changed when we wrestle with stuff. And so I, I know you mentioned it already, but I just want to reiterate it's so much more valuable for adolescent development, especially brain development, mm-hmm. as opposed to handing them answers. You, you walk with them and wrestle with questions. You wrestle with the language. You wrestle with the metaphors and the similes that are in the text. Wrestle with that abstract thought because there's payoff there. Yeah, I, I think it's like um, if you, you know, a common thing that youth workers uh, experience with kids is uh, um, ropes courses. Oh, yes. Right. And, Which can be great. The ropes courses are, are often a, a uh, another sort of task 
that challenges teen brains to think abstractly, to think outside of the box. And, and, and in the same way that you sort of have to help them without telling them what is going on and give them time to think it out and think it through and wrestle with their brain on a ropes course, you've got to do the same kind of thing when you're talking about these sort of abstract ideas in the, in the Bible and in and, and Christianity in general. And to kind of finish up that thought, I think, uh, I mean, have you and I both been on ropes courses with facilitators who are amazing? Mm-hmm. And have we both been on ropes courses with a facilitator who's terrible? The worst. Right. <laughs> it makes all the difference in the world when you've yeah. got a facilitator that invites you into the process mm-hmm. and doesn't necessarily give you the answer, right? Instead, right. asks questions, serves as a guide, serves as a mentor, um, you know, honestly, and, and is willing to be able to say, oh, I don't know, or that's a really interesting thought. Let's explore that together. Um, things like that can be super duper powerful, uh, mm-hmm. and really invite young people into a deeper level of discipleship. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's key. Right. And that's, and, and the thing is, is part of what this book is about, um, speaking adolescent is kind of recognizing that their biology is, um, trying to accomplish a number of tasks, Mm-hmm. And so it, they are pre-primed to uh, by their to, for their brain to reward them for doing these developmental tasks. And so it, when we come alongside that, um, we get the extra boost from their uh, their moment in life and what their brain is needing when we uh, when we recognize that and are part of their world that is helping them develop uh, their brains. And so, and this is a, you know, one of the huge ones and, uh, and to be able to find that sort of guidance and reward in your youth group will be, um, invaluable to them and, and it will help give them lasting connection, right. That lasts beyond your youth ministry. Yeah. And, and, you know, that made me think of something else that I think is genuinely important when we're talking about, uh, sort of brain science and adolescent development. And that is, um, we mentioned it in one of our previous episodes, but you know, adolescents are getting wired to be challenged, mm-hmm. right? They yeah. they are ready to push, and it's rewarding when you make it through a challenge, and it's doubly rewarding when you make it through a challenge with a group. I mean, those yes. those form social bonds, um, those build confidence, and so it it might seem counterintuitive. And I know every ministry should have some really low risk, easy to access kind of things. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you're going to see the best growth, um, you know, for for the whole person uh, in their faith life and their discipleship, and also in their social and emotional, um, you know, kind of range. Yep. When you create opportunities for them to be challenged and meet those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, really enjoyed pulling this one apart. Uh, if anybody is interested in uh, downloading Speaking Adolescent or any of the other crash courses in youth ministry, um, obviously the link is part of our live chat, and I will make sure that the link appears on the podcast as well. Um, Jeremy, thanks for taking some time out of a Thursday morning, like always. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. And uh, to all you youth workers out there, prayers that uh, next week is as good or better than this one. That's right. We'll see you next week. 